Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Lillian C. Steelstra, a key spokesperson for heart and brain health, a Go Red for Women spokeswoman, and February is Heart Health Awareness Month. Lillian is a stroke survivor and hers is a must-hear story, so let's meet her and hear her story. Lillian C. Steelstra, good morning. Thank you so greatly for taking time to be with us this morning. Well, thank you, Kate, for helping the American Heart Association and the Go Red for Women movement and giving me the opportunity to share my stroke story. And that's the thing. You know, I am just really honored to be able to have a platform where we can really teach, share stories, personal stories, because I think that's where we might get that kind of impetus to realize, oh my goodness, that could be me. It's not just something I'm reading in a news story or that sort of thing. So yes, you have a personal story with stroke. Would you share with us what happened, Lillian? Um, Absolutely. And I was probably one of those women who thought she could do it all. And uh, I was the best employee. I tried to be the best mother, tried to be the good wife. And uh, unfortunately, I think typically women put themselves last. And so by the time I was done taking care of everything for everyone, I found myself too tired. And so I became the best couch potato for a long time. And 10, uh, well, it's almost going on 12 years now. I woke up on a Saturday morning feeling exhausted. And of course, you know, I'd just been working five days a week. Um, I felt my left leg numb and heavy. Um, And then the sensation of pins and needles. So I thought, well, maybe I slept wrong and I have a pinched nerve, which has happened before. Then within a few minutes, the left side um, of my arm, the the entire arm felt numb and heavy and the sensation of pins and needles. Again, I thought it was pinched nerves and didn't think much about it. Within a few more minutes, the left side of my face felt numb with the sensation of pins and needles. And that's when I put two and two together and said, I think I'm having a stroke. Um, Six months before that, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. I was overweight um, and I just refused to admit it then. Um, Probably 30 pounds over what I should be um, based on my height And because I was tall, nobody could really see um, that I was getting fatter. And it's unfortunate um, that I didn't listen to the warnings. I was the stubborn person who didn't believe, oh, it's me, it's going to be me. So as we um, figured out that I was having a stroke, um, luckily my husband's a... EMT firefighter, he said, well, shall we go to the hospital then? I said, I think that would be a good idea. And we also lived three blocks away from a hospital, and he drove us there for all three blocks. And as we were checking in, he did his EMT speak, 46-year-old female presenting signs. 
And all I heard from there was blah, 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 because in my mind, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm having a stroke. It's a man's disease. I'm finally equal to a man. Because all my life, I've worked in male-dominated industries, and I've always wanted to be one of the boys. And (laughs) it's the oddest, silliest thought that came to my head at that moment. But that's what it was. And as I went through the recovery process, as I volunteered with the Heart Association, um, I learned that, my goodness, heart disease is equal opportunity. Everyone has a heart. Everyone can have that problem where they don't take care of it. And the worst part is for women, the likelihood of strokes is much higher than um, the typical heart attack, cardiac arrest type of situation. And stroke is a leading cause of disability. So putting all of the information that I've learned in the first three years post-stroke, I thought, well, I can't be the only one in this situation. But I don't see or hear a lot of the story. And especially being Asian, it was something I felt I should give back to the community. And by letting people know, hey, it's not something to be taken lightly when you're diagnosed with high blood pressure. Um, And it's something to really pay attention to. Uh, Given the typical Asian diet and lifestyle where we we tend not to eat the most healthy foods. Um, And so it's been a process. It's been a process. I'm very lucky in that it was a very small clot that went to the right side of my brain uh, and it blocked blood flow to the left side of my body. And if it had been any bigger and if I had gone to the hospital any later, I could have been paralyzed on the left side of my body and become one of the statistics, which I I really am very grateful that today I am walking, I'm running, I'm enjoying um, life as best I can because it was the wake-up call I needed. Um, high blood pressure is something that, you know, people get diagnosed and you go into the doctor's office and then they say, oh, you have high blood pressure, and then you're given a pill to reduce your blood pressure. When I was checked out of the hospital from the stroke, the neurologist said to me, you're 46 years old. If you just walk 30 minutes a day, I probably never have to see you again. And I looked at him saying, it's that simple, just walking 30 minutes a day? Why didn't anybody tell me? Now, I'm college educated. I think of myself as somewhat clever, and I probably knew that in the back of my mind, and I probably shoved it so far away back because I was busy doing everything else. And that was the wake-up call. When I went home, um, the first thing I did was decide, okay, I have to walk 30 minutes a day. If that's all it is, I'm going to find 30 minutes in my very busy schedule to do this. It involved getting cooperation from my family. Um, My children were probably in their teens at the time, and I really probably was spoiling them rotten, you know, making their lunches for them, doing everything for them. So all I said was, you know, kids, 
you, you, you just have to take care of yourselves in the morning, get yourself ready for school. Um, husband, if you're around, you know, do everything you can. And I want 30 minutes in the morning so that I can go for a walk and come back and shower. Well, actually, it ended up being about 45 minutes, but go for a walk, come back, shower, and then I'm ready to go on for the rest of my day. What I found was having an accountability person helps. My neighbor across the street, the most wonderful woman, came over and said, what can I do to help? And I said, I need to walk 30 minutes, and if nobody holds me to it, I'm not going to do it. And she goes, oh, well, you know, I need to do that too. Let's do it together. And so 6 o'clock in the morning, rain, shine, cold, hot, she was there for about a year. She was there, and I couldn't curl up in bed and go, oh, I don't want to do it. And once I started trying to jog, once I said, hmm, can we walk faster? Ooh, can I try running from this lamppost to that lamppost in the park? That's when she said, you're on your own. You've got this. And that's something I think in the recovery process where I learned literally you have to walk before you can run. I would say I'm the type A person, everything that I learned in business, everything I learned to make me successful, I applied the same approach in the recovery process, basically. All right, I'm getting comfortable. I need to make it a little bit harder now. I can walk for 30 minutes. That's great. How about if I walk for 25 minutes and run for five minutes? Oh, that's easy. Now let's move on and make it a little bit harder each time. And I set a goal to run um, an iconic race when I turned 50. Um, and that was in San Francisco, the Bay to Breakers. Um, it was a race I said I was going to run when I was in my 30s and never did it. So it was time. And that was a great accomplishment to do it with friends who flew in, the support. It is good to have a community of women around you who will keep you going and the reason I do this I sh sharing my story is so that hopefully somebody hears this and go oh my goodness I don't want to have a stroke to learn my lesson and here I am uh, almost 12 years later sharing my story oh Lillian I am deeply grateful that you are willing to share the story. It's incredible motivation. I find myself taking this in and thinking where I need to be making changes. So I'm trusting others are hearing it in the same vein because you really could be, any of us could be in the same situation because we know the statistics are there, right? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, the one one lesson I've I've learned, you know, is like I get reminders from my uh, primary care physician to have my mammogram done, and and honestly, I wouldn't wish breast cancer on anyone on earth. I would have to say that that's been a beautiful campaign that raised awareness, and women are very conscious. But our hearts which run our whole body. You know, I don't get a remind. I never recall getting a reminder to get my heart checked every year. And 
yet stroke and heart disease kill women much more than breast cancer does or all kinds of other cancers. So I don't want to say this is more important than that. Everything about our bodies are important and we should learn to take charge of our bodies and our health as well because when you think about our current healthcare system where you know you go in and you see your doctor you they really just have a few minutes with you and sometimes you know you get a rotation and you don't see that that family doctor that you've seen for years and years and years that has changed as people become more mobile and they move on to other opportunities so i don't really blame it on the doctors because everybody has to you know, take opportunities. But that means we have to be in charge. We have to know what's going on with our bodies. Before my stroke, I had no clue what triglycerides in my blood meant. Before my stroke, I had no clue the difference between LDL and HDL. And now I measure those numbers. Every time I have a blood test done by the doctors, I measure, am I improving, am I staying the same? And a lot of times people think, oh, I've got to exercise just to, you know, be healthier. In the last 10, 12 years, I keep saying 10 because for some reason that's stuck in my mind, but it's almost 12 years now. I've also learned to eat differently. As I mentioned, as an Asian, I grew up eating white rice, soy sauce, fatty meats, and um, my mother used to cook with lard. And what I learned is that, well, I need to make changes. Everything that tasted yummy, what were the things that, you know, made it yummy? Or what were the flavors that stuck out? And I had to learn to adjust those things so that I have substitutes now. Um, As an example, one of my favorites, Um, comfort food is a white rice porridge. I mean, that's nutritionally the most vacuous food, white rice porridge. Um, I've learned to substitute that with steel-cut oats. And, you know, some people out here might be thinking, well, of course, you know, oats is porridge too. But it took me a long time to learn because, well, I never grew up eating steel-cut oats. And now, instead of eating white rice porridge, I've replaced it with steel-cut oats. And I've put in the flavors, like a little bit of sesame oil, so that it smells just like what my porridge would be. And changing the way I eat, changing what I you know, n- normally would eat, is a big part of the process as well. Um, and I do volunteer... Um, with the American Heart Association, and it's so many things I've learned from them that they've got, you know, nutritionists, they've got recipe books, they've, I've learned how to control my portions, I've learned, you know, one simple thing is eat the rainbow, which is like, okay, make sure I have colorful vegetables on my plate, because each color represents a different type of nutrient, really, in the vegetables. So it's been a process. I want to share with women that it is possible. We just have to be a little bit less stubborn 
Um, and that's something I've also learned is to not be fixated on certain things. Um, in the past, I was like, I like it this way and I will have it this way. Well, unfortunately, now with a stroke and a predisposition to another stroke at some point in time in the future, I want to delay that event as much as possible. And by eating healthier, by watching what I eat, that is very possible. I highly encourage people to um, take a look at the Go Red for Women website, check out the recipe books there, because the recipes there actually will tell you what a portion size is and how much you know, nutrients you're actually getting if you follow the recipe. So I know that it's very busy for the modern woman. We go to work. We raise children. We take care of the households. We're good wives. It is impossible to fit in, you know, time for yourself uh, when you look at it. But the other thing that women are not very good at is asking for help. And that's what we have to do is to say, I can't do everything. I need your help to do this part here. I need your help to do that part there. And please, my manager was so wonderful and gracious when I spoke to him and said, listen, I've had a stroke and I can only do so much. I need certain concessions from you at work. And luckily for me, having been a consistent good top performer, he was very gracious and he said, you do what you need and you take all the time you need to get back to yourself. Um, and... I had to ask a difficult question. Do I want to get back to the, you know, super competitive number one all the time um, salesperson that I was? And I said, no, I, I don't need to be number one. I, <laughs> I was always number one or two. Um, and in, in the sales ranking in the organizations I worked for. And then in the last few years, after the stroke, I said, no, I don't need to be number one, but I don't like being at the bottom either, which is where I landed right after the stroke in my career. And I said, if I was ever going to retire from working and I'm going not, I'm going to retire somewhere at the top at a respectable number. <laughs> and the last year I was working, I ended up number seven on the sales leaderboard out of 35, which is not great, but it was acceptable. And that's me learning to let go of what was previously important. And now a priority is my health is more important. And so that's, I know it was kind of a big, long thing about taking charge of our health and, you know, how we need to learn about our numbers, etc. But, and asking for help, I'm kind of rambled a little bit. Well, I have to say, though, uh, backing up just one step to your accomplishment in your work, when you say you were number seven out of 35, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's the top 20. That's more than respectable. Yeah. <laughs> and you're and you're taking good care of yourself. You're, you're feeling well. You're really recognizing that. I think then that puts you at number one. <laughs> I, I think we have to, as as women, we have to really put ourselves first. Um, yeah, one of the things I also learned was 
someone mentioning to me once, well, yeah, on the airplanes, they tell you to put on your oxygen mask first before you put it on your child. You know, you have to be healthy so that you can take care of people. Um, and so that was an adjustment in perspective for myself is, yeah, I, I want to be there for my children. I want to be there for my husband. I want to be there for my family members if they need me. And I have to be healthy. So things are just going to have other things that used to be important, like being number one in the sales leaderboard had to just be adjusted. Right. <laughs> um, and, I'm, yes. And then I, in terms of your family and saying, letting them know, I need to do things this way. You can take care of these things for yourselves. How did they then react to that? Um, I'm very lucky. My husband, again, being the firefighter and totally understanding the consequences of a stroke, um, he he has always been there. Um, you know, in fact, uh, he probably had hinted to me several times, you know, husbands don't dare to tell their wives they're getting fat. Um, <laughs> so he tried and, you know, he suggested maybe we should change the way we eat. And, you know, his brothers have had um, heart issues as well. And they've had stents put in. He switched to eating oatmeal instead of Cheerios, um, which was, you know, good, but he improved on it better going straight to oats directly. Um, he's, he's done his part in, in keeping himself healthy. And I didn't listen to him because I was stubborn and I was like, oh, no, you know, I know what I'm doing. I, I don't need your help. Um, they, he stepped up. He made sure I had time to do the things I needed to do. Um, he helped me to buy an elliptical machine and put it and put it together in the garage so that I would have absolutely no excuses where, you know, if I didn't get around to going out for a run or I didn't get around to making sure I, I have my exercise because I felt wimpy and it's raining outside. Well, <laughs> the machines in the garage go to it. So he has been very supportive. The children stepped up. Uh, you know, they were more able than I thought they were. Um, they're assigned extra chores and their extra duties. And I'm very proud to say that my son washes dishes very well. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to allow that there are roles that they need to learn and to be accountable for. And it really makes them a better person, too. It does. It does. Um, nothing like having to grow up faster. <laughs> yeah. um, my father had um, heart disease as well, and I didn't put two and two together. I you know, remember being younger and um, maybe 12 or 13 years old. Um, all of a sudden, mom stopped cooking with lard. All of a sudden, she stopped deep frying things and, you know, the food was healthier, um, and then they went for walks in the morning, um, and they dragged me along, but they didn't tell me why, because Asian parents don't tell their children everything. 
Um, and when my father finally passed away, I was looking through his belongings and I saw his doctor's records, which said he had um, a similar incident to me and hence their changes. So in my lesson, I decided, well, I'm going to tell the children why we're doing this. Why are we not eating fried foods anymore? Why, you know, are you now having um, a different version of porridge? Um, and I explained to them their um, health risks because, well, grandfather had a stroke, mother had a stroke. There is a high probability that you could have um, that risk. And I want you to be aware of that risk. I want you to learn from my lessons. And hopefully you never have to have this lesson um, in your life. So uh, family health history is something that is, we, is something we should be aware of. And we should, you know, consciously let them know the reasons for the changes. It's one of the most valuable lessons, I would say, to, again, just share that as it's happening and they begin to understand it because it can be frightening. It probably could have been frightening for you as a child. Your father, you may not have seen him for a while because he was ill. Those kinds of things can have a, just a deep effect on children. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope that with this conversation with you and, you know, February being Go Red for Women month, essentially, it's a whole month long festivities of wearing red, making um, people aware of heart disease and how they can, you know, make adjustments to their lives. I am so glad for finding the American Heart Association and all the resources that they have available. For example, you know, they have this 21-day challenge. You can sign up and, you know, start a 21-day challenge of doing certain activities so that you're forming new habits if you haven't already formed new habits on your own. I'm so grateful for them for doing everything they can. For example, the acronym to recognize a stroke fast. F-A-S-T, face drooping, arm weakness, S for speech difficulty, and T, time to call 911. That's a fantastic, easy acronym that even fourth graders can remember. And I know that for a fact because I've done a couple of volunteer classroom activities with fourth graders to teach them about heart disease. And they pick up so fast and then they go home and they repeat it to their parents. And it's amazing because I know some other parents and then they come around and tell me, hey, this is what my kid learned in school today. <laughs> so if fourth graders can remember the acronym FAST, I hope all grown-ups out there can remember it too. Yes, that's an Excellent reminder. I, I appreciate your mentioning that for us, Lillian. The other thing is you're talking about the American Heart Association, February being Heart Health Awareness Month. What about Friday, February 4th, Wear Red? Mm -hmm. That's the National Wear Red Day. Basically, you know, I'm so pleased that we've got so much coverage now, media people, 
like you, people on television, people in the newspapers and magazines. It's a big splashy day where we wear red. And the reason we wear red is we are raising awareness that heart disease can impact women differently. Um, it was a campaign started, I would say, 14 to 15 years ago to make women aware of their risks from heart disease. And um, having you know, been a part of the Go Red campaign a few years ago as one of their national spokespeople, it's an honor. Um, sometimes I tell myself, is it an honor to have had a stroke, but uh, <laughs> to get this honor of being a GORET spokesperson, but I believe it happened to me and I want to make the most of it and I want to share the story. I want to wear red on that day. I want to encourage my friends to wear red on that day. I'm not a great Instagram person, but I'm going to try and put a picture of me wearing <laughs> red on that day. That's really inspiring. And to your point about, you know, did you want to be this kind of an ambassador? It's terrible that you had to suffer a stroke or anybody does, but the fact that you did and you're making the most of it by educating, I think kudos to you. Thank you for taking something that is so dire and making something, you know, that kind of adage about, you know, making lemonade out of lemons. I, <laughs> I think that's exactly what you're doing for us. That's true. Well, <laughs> one last thing I'd like to point out is that we're always, learning and we're always you know trying to improve ourselves and i'm so glad that this year they have a theme called reclaim your rhythm and one thing i've been guilty of doing is i think oh i've run for 30 minutes i've got my cardio in yay and then i go back and i sit in my chair for six hours <laughs> the rest of the day um, and recently, I, I understand there's a term for that. It's, I'm a sedentary athlete. Um, so while I'm capable of running for 30 minutes or, or an hour, the rest of my day has to be um, not sedentary. So I'm reclaiming my rhythm this year and going forward by deciding to move more during the day and how I plan to do that is, you know, if I'm making dinner, I'm going to turn on some music and I'm going to dance while I'm stirring the pasta sauce. <laughs> so just finding ways to add more movement throughout my day is going to be how I reclaim my rhythm. That is just so awesome. So beautiful. Lillian, I am so grateful that you are this ambassador, that you've spent this time with us this morning. I hope that everyone is feeling this kind of exhilaration uh, from hearing your story. So just know that you've done that. So Lillian C. Stielstra, thank you so greatly for your time and for being so willing to be open and, and sharing with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Lillian C. Steelstra and Sunday Morning Magazine with Gary Sirak. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. 
Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of planning for a healthy and vibrant now and into retirement. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.